The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host... Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And today's guest is Scott Halford. He is an Emmy Award winning writer and producer and a longtime consultant to Fortune 500 executive teams. He's the founder of Complete Intelligence, which is all about getting bottom line results through the power of people. He also offers his clients and his audiences insight into the human experience at many levels, including, get this, brain-based behavioral science, which he's going to be talking about, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and the principles of influence. In other words, in a nutshell, he teaches the science behind success behaviors and how many of us don't want to know what kind of behaviors we can adopt in order to be successful. So we're going to be hearing about that today, but I also want to mention to you that Scott is the brainy business columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine Online, and it's a very entertaining, thoughtful column, a lot of takeaways. So if you haven't ever gone out and read Brainy Business, make sure you do that. And then he also has a book called Be a Shortcut, The Secret Fast Track to Business Success. And that is available online from John Wiley and Sons. Welcome to the show today, Scott. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yes, we're very happy to have you here. And as I understand it, you're actually going to be here in Kansas City uh, shortly. Exactly. I'm coming to Kansas City to speak to the National Speakers Association uh, Kansas City chapter about some of these neural concepts and how they how they work and how important they are to not only uh, in, in terms of framing your topic so that audiences can learn more about what you have to say, but also just talk about kind of success from a more scientific basis than we have in, in the past. Yes, yeah, so let's, let's just dive right into all of that. You are the founder of Complete Intelligence, as I mentioned. What What is Complete Intelligence? Uh, why did you start it, and what's your goal with the company? Well, um, Complete Intelligence is one of those those things that is uh, obviously kind of a goal, not necessarily a place that we actually probably ever get to. But the (laughs) idea is to actually complete our intelligence so that we're not just looking at IQ. We're we're looking at um, social quotient and emotional quotient and spiritual quotient and and all of the different quotients that kind of make up a a person. And, you know, years ago we used to think that, that IQ, cognitive ability, was really the marker that set us out in terms of of really superstar and successful behavior. And we've discovered since that actually that's not true and mm-hmm. that even people with really incredibly high IQs actually have a, a larger tendency to derail in life after after they've been given quite a lot of opportunities because of that IQ. Absolutely. A, yeah. So So your goal with complete intelligence is to arm uh, people, your clients, with the tools or the ways of thinking to help promote uh, a more well-rounded, more complete intelligence, and that will then uh, shore them up for success? That's right. I, I think that we're really what our, our, our bottom line goal is to give people an idea about 
really what some of the tools are in order to be adaptive and successful in any given situation, whether it's business, business or personal or just out there in the in the, the big bad world, just really figuring out what are, are some of the, the baseline tenants that we work with in order to be more successful and more effective overall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned about how some people with very high IQs are not necessarily best positioned to be successful in life. They may be woefully lacking in some of the other areas, the emotional intelligence, the social quotient, as you said. Why why are some people better? I mean, are we are we born with or predisposed in, in some of those various areas? Some people higher IQ, some people better emotional intelligence. Uh, and if, if that's the case, what can people do to, uh, you know, you, you, there's a science behind this, obviously. What can yeah. people do to improve whatever it takes in the brain to complete this and have a more complete intelligence? Yeah, it's a it's a great and a big question. And, it is. Uh, it covers yeah. quite a lot, but uh, I'll, I'm going to bullet point it into into kind of a a nutshell. And forgive me if I'm if I make it a little bit too efficient, but. Um, so basically, IQ measures your cognitive ability. It's the, the measurement of your prefrontal cortex's capability, the, the part that thinks and reasons. And that was the first where we, we first measured was a person's ability to do that. And so in the 1940s, when Wexler came up with a, the first adult IQ test, we thought, well, wow, now we have a way to measure a person's success. And so let's, and that's what we thought it was with success. Right. And so we used as a, as a marker because it, it, it predicts it predicts good grades. It predicts the schools you're going to get into because of those grades. So it's SATs and LASATs and, and ACTs are, are a form of IQ tests. They predict the schools you're going to get into, but they don't predict a person's ability to move up inside of an organization. And in 1980, when Pandora's box was opened, and that was the box that Wexler kind of set out there and said, hey, we want to follow thousands of these people who are being measured in IQ. Let's see where they go. Let's see how they end up. And when Pandora's box was opened up, what we found out is that a huge amount of those people considered having high IQ, 130 or above, had derailed. They lost their jobs. They got demoted, lost relationships, suicide, or depression. And so when you looked at that, he wanted to know, well, who was successful? Who is mostly successful out of this pool? found out that it was mostly people in more moderate IQs. So what was the difference? And the difference was non-cognitive capabilities or the ability to manage a person, your, your emotions. So it's a different part of the brain, different neural structure. The limbic system, the part that makes us feel things, that makes mm-hmm. us um, pop off, that makes us angry, makes split decisions when we shouldn't. And so it's marrying the two. And it's it's saying, let's give intellect, if you can, to the limbic system. So let's kind of combine the prefrontal cortex power, the reasoning part, with the emotional power, which is really incredibly important. You can't be alive if you don't have emotions. And um, and so emotional intelligence is one of those things, unlike IQ, that's fixed, relatively fixed by the time you're 21, relatively, I say. Um, you can move the dial, but not much. Uh, by the time you're 21, and EQ, emotional quotient, grows, and we see it peak in your 60s. And it really is... Wow. The experience of life. It's, sure. It's understanding that that you know we, we we all had that experience that what we used to get mad at we don't get mad at anymore. Yes, that, and you're you're um, 
that old saying about how people mellow as they get older, it's right in line with what you just said, that we start to peak in our 60s with our emotional intelligence. It's, people knew that intuitively, I guess, before. You know, with this, like I said, just observation, people mellow as they get older, um, and then now you have the science to back it up. So, yeah, we become yeah, wiser. Absolutely. It, it, and that's really what emotional intelligence is, is kind of the measurement of wisdom and appropriateness in any given situation. And so it's fluid. It, you know, there's some situations when assertiveness is called for and some situations when that assertiveness needs to back off. And so that's the difficult thing for people. You can learn it. Uh, it's not a stationary fixed thing. And that's the frustration with a lot of people because we used to call these, these skills soft skills, but they're harder than actually learning textbook information, which is IQ stuff, because they are so variable. And they, they do require you to pay attention to every single situation. And with the different people you are, are interacting with, they require different skills. Anything all the time is too much in emotional intelligence. Right. They absolutely are. And, and again, I, I go back. I know you're not finished with your complete answer, but I go back to, uh, especially with emotional intelligence, are, people, are, are some people born with a greater capacity for for that emotional intelligence, or is it more uh, is, it, is it more uh, formed by your environment from from the early uh, relationships with family and the people that you were friends with? Where does that come from? How is what's the basis for your emotional intelligence? The answer is yes. So <laughs> all of that. <laughs> the answer is well. So we we come with a it's it, it's a little bit complex, but we come with a set range of happiness. We know that that um, that that your range, your disposition, that there are heritable factors to that. There's some genetic components to it. We also know that gene expression can become you can increase it or cause it to go dormant according to the environment that you're in. And so when you're growing up and you are you have role models that get angry a lot that's your role model and so the the gene expression and and aggression is a is a gene actually and we have we can express it um becomes it becomes undormant and becomes more volatile whereas somebody who has the gene expression of of aggression they have that gene uh if they're raised in a family that interacts with each other appropriately and there's not all of that, the, the falling apart and the, the, the bantering and, and, and craziness, what ends up happening is that they actually cause that to go dormant. And, and, and that's true across the board on a variety of different um, aspects of emotional intelligence. And so, you know, empathy is an important thing. You know, when you when you have a child and, and, you, and boys are socialized, when they – when a little boy might cry when they see another kid cry and we say hey you know why are you crying you shouldn't be crying you're not the one who's hurt well you're actually stopping them from practicing empathy true and, true. and, and so empathy is something that that's why males on 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 average are lower in empathy than females and um, it's one of the reasons because we've been socialized to tamp that tamp down that that aspect so it's it's both and you can you can increase it. You can learn skills throughout your life, and it's it's one of those things in business that that you will see, especially hard charging entrepreneurs who are you know going get the deal, go go go. Let's be a type type personality, right? You know, never switch Hang it off. Hang out with a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of us. You know, out there, I'm an entrepreneur, and and there are times when it's really important for 
for us to to sit back and listen as opposed to be the be the telling person to be the person who's uh, asserting out there and entrepreneurs are just really traditionally used to the go I'm going to I'm going to go for the gusto and that means me asserting in every situ- situation um, right. that so, leads to burnout and it's not always appropriate so there's implications for our audience today there are implications not only for themselves uh, because, as you say, you can learn some of these other skills, still be successful, still achieve your entrepreneurial goals, but you also find yourself managing, if, if you're a growing business and you have employees, you also find yourself managing a team where the emphasis has historically been on hire for the person who has the skill, the, the hard skills that I need, who has a background in this, who has a degree in this, and then you get them into your office or you get them into your, your plant and you find out that, oh my gosh, they may be, and you, you alluded to this before, with the high IQ people not always being the most successful, that you get them in there and you oh, they are not a fit for our culture, they don't know how to get along with people, uh, don't, don't know the first thing about showing up on time, all kinds of different things that aren't the hard skill. And I think we're finding out more and more as business owners we're being encouraged and told, you know, you can teach the you can teach the technical stuff, but you better make sure that the stuff we've labeled as soft is already there. Right. And and so we're really moving from the soft skill to the, the actually it's the the in in the neuroscience uh, we're looking at more of that whole the limbic system and all the emotional aspects that the the brain interplays with the environment is so incredibly complex that it's way more difficult than anything technical you will ever learn so me memorizing the information that i need to i can learn what you know i can learn that i can go find that on the internet the difference the differentiation between me between you and me if we're being compared and the one that's going to be the superstar is the person who can negotiate and barter and inspire and be appropriate and uh, keep high-profile high employees as opposed to losing them because you lose your temper all the time or you don't deal with fairness very well. Right. And so, so there's lots and lots of costs associated with the lack of emotional intelligence and huge, huge reasons inside of organizations. And even if you're a, a, a solopreneur, you know, you're out there on your own, Having uh, uh, having emotional intelligence is incredibly important with your clients. Absolutely. And so it's 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 something you know it's interesting because it's it's not a flavor of the day. It's something that no matter how smart you are, and and smarts are important. Don't get me wrong; they're very very important. We don't you know we don't want you to have incredibly low IQ. But if you don't have emotional intelligence along with your IQ, the person with more moderate intelligence and high EQ is going to probably end up winning in the long run. They're going to probably end up running. In the, in, in the short term, you're going to get the job. You might get the you might get the, 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 the big job that, you know, gets to go to the school of your choice. Over time, people eventually find out the jerk you are and so that they stop mm-hmm. interacting with you. Right. Now, you said, though, that there is room for improvement in this area, that you can uh, learn uh, how to be more emotionally intelligent. Talk to us. Uh, give, give us some uh, techniques or some examples for how you can do that. And and is there a, for lack of a better word, is there is or for lack of a better phrasing, is there a way, a, a number of days that it takes to, to 
take hold. I don't. I assume this is something that you have to work on continuously. That you can maybe see some improvement within a certain time period, but you just can't say, "Okay, I'm there and I'm done." So, talk to us about the changing. Uh, if if we feel like we need to improve our emotional intelligence, how, how do we go about doing that? Okay, yeah, there are a couple questions you asked there. One was, what are the, some of the tactics? And the other one is, what does change look like in behavior? Yes. So, again, um, and I keep coming back to neuroscience. I'm in a postgraduate program in neuroscience. So so I'm constantly looking at neuroconstructs and the anatomy and how that informs us. Um, so, so let me talk about, first off, change. Um, change changing behavior is difficult to do um you've been practicing who you are for a long long time and so changing some of the things that you become very used to doing whether they're they're good or not we call good behaviors as adaptive things that you adapt to a certain situation appropriately so whether it's adaptive or not it's very difficult to change uh, but it's not impossible I and mean, it requires a, quite a bit of of repetition so an easy way to think of it is you heard Malcolm Gladwell or read about Malcolm Gladwell and Blink. He said 10,000 hours uh, yes. to achieve mastery. That's about a topic area. That's not about behavior. Behavior, we look at about a 1,000 repetitions of any given behavior that's deliberate. So if you're looking at assertiveness and you want to learn how to be, you, you don't speak up and you you resent the fact that you just sat in a meeting and, you walk out and you go, oh, geez, I should have said that. I don't know why I can't do that. And you start kind of um, getting angry at yourself or, or having some remorse for not having sp- spoken up or you feel like you, you're, you're being kind of uh, the subservient person. Practicing those skills, that means every meeting you go to for a- every single day, you, you say to yourself that at least once during the meeting, I'm going to assert an opinion, not just talk, but give an opinion, which means that there is some risk to that. So assertion requires some risk. It's not just expressing. So when you practice that, you are literally um, creating the neural network that allows you not only to do it, but also to to take down the threat chemistry that comes when you assert in the first first place. And, Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of threat chemistry in our brain that makes it feel very threatening to disagree with someone. It feels very Absolutely. threatening. And so the more you practice that, um, the more that that chemistry takes a takes a, a dive. It's kind of like learning to drive. It's scary at first, and after you do it, it's less scary. And right. so about a 1,000 repetitions, which is going to take on average for, for if you did it once a day every day, that's a 1,000 days, so it's going to take you about three years. Yes. If you did it three times a day, it's going to take you about a year. If you did it, you know, so the more often you do it you, you can you can learn a behavior probably going to take you 60 to 90 days if you're really focused on it to get it into a place where it's almost automatic it's going to take probably about 120 days to of doing it every single day to get it to a place where it's default it's it's a nature uh, a, a kind of a nature second mm-hmm. nature type of behavior yeah. where it's very very quick um, we're in a society that is is a kind of a once and for all. It's kind of like you know you you can't eat once and for all, and behavior is the same way. You're not going to once and for all work on something. I, I, I've been working in emotional intelligence since the, the the beginning, and even before then, before it was called EI. And I still have those moments in the airport when I feel like reaching across and choking someone because I'm not getting my way. And you know, it's it's just a matter of less frequently is that happening. <laughs> Sure. Well, I'm laughing because I, I absolutely uh, know what you mean about airports. 
So, but but no, it's true, and it strikes me as you were talking, and it, just staying with the example of assertiveness, uh, you said you know there is risk associated with speaking up there, you know, with stating your opinion or with disagreeing with somebody. So, while you're practicing that assertiveness and developing that neural pathway, as you do that, then there are other things that it's also forcing you from an emotional intelligence standpoint to be working on. Because if you assert yourself and all of a sudden people go, well, no, I, I disagree with you, and then the, you have to learn about the negotiation and you have to learn some of the other behaviors then that so that you you know that backs up the fact that you are now being assertive you know you have to absolutely and there are very few behaviors in emotional intelligence and the model that we work with has has um, 15 attributes along with a well-being indicator and Mm and and when we're looking at the attributes of emotional intelligence if you're assertive and you have no empathy you're going to be a jerk you're going to come off as aggressive if you're assertive and you don't have impulse control then you're not going to negotiate well because you're not going to be a good listener if you're assertive and you're not good at interpersonal relationships, again, you are are going to walk all over someone. And so, so all of the the and those are all all different attributes of emotional intelligence. All of the attributes of emotional intelligence are held up by other attributes. And so, you're absolutely right. There is this huge dislodging when you begin to work on something of other skills and and things that you have to kind of learn along the way. One of the, the most difficult things for executives to learn, and especially I see this in entrepreneurs right and left, is the lack of empathy. And the higher up we go and the more focused on goals we become, we know that the neural networks for focus cause us to miss major social cues. So it's kind of like you're walking down the hall, you're, you're, you're headed toward a meeting, you're really focused, you're looking at text, and somebody's coming up to you and trying to pull on you for your attention, um, you're going to be probably a lot more curt and you're going to miss the social cues that might tell you how to interact with that situation. And that describes a lot of of entrepreneurs, that they get so focused that they miss all of, they miss the the, the fact that their loved ones are, are not feeling good about all the work they're putting in. They're missing the fact that their employees are angry or dissatisfied. They're missing that their clients are not happy with their work because they're so focused. And so uh, focus is an interesting thing. We think that focus is the end-all, be-all. Well, if you're so focused and you miss social cues, then it's damaging. So it's there's, there's never an all or nothing really with any of these. There's just appropriate times here and there. And yes. emotional intelligence is about figuring out when those are. You know, you bring up, and listening to you um, talk for the last couple of minutes made me think of some, uh, something I've heard, especially among entrepreneurs who've been at it for a while and are probably starting to hit that age in their life, as we discussed before, where emotional intelligence is starting to go up. They've had more experience. But what the interesting thing that I've heard them say, I mean, they're not directly saying, you know, using terms emotional intelligence, but what I've, I've heard uh, some of them comment is, you know, I, I'm getting along better with people now, and I feel a lot more relaxed, and I, I am not quite as as uh, harsh as I used to be. But I feel like I've lost my edge, and and so I'd be curious curious to hear your reaction to that. They they don't feel like they're as effective anymore, but even that doesn't really bother them. They're uh, I, I heard somebody say the other day, you know, I used to come home ready to, you know, say hi to my spouse and, and, and then just want to dive right back into work again, things I couldn't get done in the office. And now I come home and my 
spouse says, ah, let's have a glass of wine. I'm like, okay, let's have a glass of wine. And, you know, if the stuff doesn't get done, it's there for yeah. another day. But they, they feel kind of guilty about it because they also feel like they've lost their edge. So how would you react to that? Well, I think they have gained their edge. I think that they uh-huh. have gained wisdom. And, and what they're actually describing <clears throat> excuse me, is, is the maturation and paying attention almost adaptively, again, of the brain's need for downtime and for – so we describe edge as – that go, 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 constant, 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 yes. we know that people who operate like that actually um, have higher levels of dementia in older age because really? they are fraying with the cortisol, which is a is a, 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 a neurohormone that actually um, is a stressor hormone, actually begins to erode many, many pieces of the architecture of the brain, including the gray matter and the prefrontal cortex, as well as the hippocampus, the memory area of the brain. Uh-huh. And so um, people who are hard-charging and high-going high and don't give themselves a break, you can be hard-charging, but you need that break, that downtime, um, you are going to, to, to cause all kinds of issues for yourself in later life. I think that um, we are, are, we've, we've defined what edge is by the fact that adrenaline causes us to feel like, oh, I've got that edge. Well, adrenaline in your body, along with cortisol, which will be which, which will be initiated after some time because adrenaline can't be in your body for a long period of time, it's corrosive, uh, to, to manage the threat and the stress. If you're constantly in a stress state, it feels edgy. It for sure feels edgy. I tell people all the time who, who are really aggressive when they're learning to become assertive that you're not going to probably like being assertive because assertive is, the definition of it is, expressing your thoughts, desires, and feelings in a non-destructive manner. Well, aggression is destructive. That's kind of the, the differentiator. It's a destructive, it's threatening, it's fear-based, and it comes with adrenaline. It feels edgy. Assertiveness feels gentle. And when, But you get more of what you want because you right. create less fear response in other people. And so it's it's an interesting paradox. People like, yeah, it doesn't have that that pop like anger does and assertiveness just it's it's a lot more it's it's just a lot more appropriate and a lot more gentle you don't get the pop mm-hmm. so i would say that to entrepreneurs who are feeling like you're losing your edge you might just be gaining wisdom and actually getting a life and saving your brain for for old age. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. We have just a couple minutes, but I want to make sure we talk about your book, Be a Shortcut, uh, The Secret Fast Track to Business Success. What What is a shortcut? What do you mean, be a shortcut? What's yeah, it's kind of a it, – it was an interesting uh, title, and I know my publisher, we went around and around. The shortcut was the idea that, that we are so busy and have so many things coming at us that we don't have time to know or do it all. And uh, if you look at, at, at the fact that there were 400,000 medical and technical journals published in the world last year, um, you know, and if you're in that space, you don't have the time to consume all of that. And so how do you know what's right and how do you not know what's right? And it's easy to become overwhelmed. Well, we need our shortcuts. We need people who decide to niche and become that person who devotes themselves to that specific space in, in whatever area that they're in, that area of mastery, and they do it so deeply and um, so well that they're our shortcut. They're the person we go to. And you combine that with emotional intelligence, and then you have this shortcut that is of incredibly, incredibly high value. So when we think about shortcuts in our workspace, we think about people who we go to and say, you know what, would you mind helping me with this? And they go, not at all. And you know that they're going to do it twice as fast, twice as well, without any attitude than you would do. 
And those are your shortcuts. Those are your go-to people. So that's really the gist. And the, the whole idea of the book is what do they look like? What are, what are skills of a shortcut? What are the emotional intelligence attributes? Um, how do they increase their value? How do they become that go-to person without getting burned out? And shortcuts actually increase their value because more and more people want them. So you create um, some scarcity around yourself by saying, I can't be there for everyone, but I can be there for a few. And you become this right. very valuable shortcut. Well, and it strikes me as you were talking that I, I suppose, because we're talking to business owners here, that one value proposition you can offer as a business is to make your business a shortcut for someone or your clients. 100%. Yeah. It, it, I, I wrote an article in Business Week a few years ago when the book was published, and um, it was exactly that. If you're if you're not a shortcut to something or someone, you're taking up too much space and you will be replaced. <laughs> well, Scott, if there's uh, if somebody's out there and they want to read your book or they want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? They can go to Amazon.com and get the book, and uh, that's probably the easiest way to get it, um, or Barnes & Noble, their, their favorite uh, book retailer. And if they would like to get a hold of me uh, personally, they can um, either write to me at Scott, with two Ts, at CompleteIntelligence.com, or go to the website, www.CompleteIntelligence.com. It's been wonderful having you as a guest today. Thanks so much for your time. Great to be here. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.